I'd like the opportunity to talk about our great friends at Grimley's, the number one source for fasteners and construction supplies in Melbourne. If you're on a construction site and need product urgently, then you can count on Grimley's Direct. Getting your orders to you on time, every time at speed with our fleet of Grimley's vans and trucks direct from us to you. It's that simple. Grimley's has been in the game for more than 30 years, earning a reputation built on grit, determination and a focus on delivering the best sourced fasteners and construction supplies with a whatever-it-takes type attitude. Uh, whether it's a large commercial job, a small domestic little project, hard-working tradies need the right products at the right time. Grimley goes above and beyond to deliver on the details. Grimley's always aims for the best solutions to your products. Go to grimleys.com.au for delivery that you can count on. Hello all and welcome back to another episode of The Life of Brian. Brian your ha- name is? Harrison. Who are you? I'm, I'm your son and right. apparently I'm the steer of this ship, making sure we don't get cancelled. We've got yep. JB with us here. Yeah, our guest today. Which Lovely. is incredible. Yeah. Usually JB on this show, we do a bit of 10, 15 minutes of fluffing yep. and then we have the guest on if we have a guest. We thought we're not going to spend tef- 10, 15 minutes fluffing. We've got sporting Australian sporting royalty here in the room. Oh, please. Well, we can't do it. You've got too much history. We're going to spend an hour on JB please. rather than 45 minutes on JB. Did you we're... say Australian sporting royalty well, I don't history. There's any doubt about that, Brian. <laughs> then, then we can just... He's one of Australia's biggest sporting personalities. All right. We can, not? We can park the pleasantries because sometimes <laughs> no introductions needed. Yeah. Before... I, I'm copying a tailoring here, aren't I? <laughs> you I are. Knew, I didn't know what was going I on still when you asked me to do this. somehow you are outsmarters. <laughs> but Be- now I've got two of you coming at me. Before we do get started, we are brought to you by Grimley's. Grimley's yep. the number one source for fasteners and construction supplies in Melbourne. Have you Bre- heard of? I have because Brian gets them to provide him with all the stuff he needs to build everything he's building <laughs> and yes. then doesn't pay for any. Of it. Brett, <laughs> Sam and Hannah, a family-owned business for many years now. Yeah, exactly. So cracking in, I don't know where you want to start, but... I just r- want to know a little bit about, well, I, I sort of know, but JB, just the, just touching on the cricket and your 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 cricket first, was out of, you went to Scots College, yep. so you had a privileged upbringing <laughs> right from the start, and that's pretty obvious. Um, was, was that cric- explains the head Was cricket <laughs> always the thing for you? Yep. Family background, etc. Yeah, it was, but it was funny because my dad um, was obviously an unbelievably good cricketer in the 70s, but at 60s and 70s. But what a lot of people don't realise is he was also a premiership player for Claremont in the oh, Waffle. Was he really? 1964, they beat East Fremantle, I think, by three points, and he was played off halfback flank. Wow. He played 80 games for Claremont and had retired by the time he was 23 and, and then played cricket for WA for the rest of that time. But the funny bit about the old man is he left school, he also went to Scotch, he left school and was going to go and play for Scotch in the Ammos and the only reason he went to Claremont was because Scotch were going to charge him a couple of quid subs (laughs) and then Claremont came along and said, well, you can play for us for nothing and we'll give you a pair of boots. So that's he says that openly that's the only reason I ended up playing at Claremont. And your brother Mark played there as well. Mark played it was, there Was as he well. a good player? Yeah, he was a good player. So yeah. the old man, they both did the same thing. They both went down and played Colts and then they both got picked in the league team out of the Colts. So about 17, 18, they both played waffle footy, which you remember yeah. Brian being very good back in those days. Yeah, it was. So um, the old man's had a, a foot in each camp. Mark was always footy and I was always cricket. But the only thing I regret 
out of my playing sport playing time was I went from 17 to 22 without playing any footy at all and then went back and had a season at Claremont playing in the reserves. To give me to give people a bit of an idea, and, and a lot of people may not know these names, but they're all superstars, particularly in WA, but a lot of them for Australia as well. In your dad's best team, Western Australia Sheffield Shield, yep. reel off some of the surnames in that side. Well, John Inverarity was the... The legend, if you like, who yep. captained them all through that era, the best captain WA's ever had comfortably in my view. And then underneath him was Rod Marsh, Dennis Lilly, Terry Alderman, Bruce Yardley, Kim Hughes, Bruce Laird, you know, like so. Bob Massey. Bob Massey, yep, absolutely. So they had uh, Graham McKenzie prior to that. Yep. So they had this ridiculous era of um, incredible players. And WA, I think, won six or seven of the 10 or 11 Sheffield Shields in that era. They were the most dominant team by far. Uh, but really set up by Invers and Dad, captain and vice-captain, and, and the two superstars were Rod Marsh and Dennis Lilly, who, as you remember, BT, not only were unbelievable players, but loved playing for WA. Yeah, yeah. So they weren't sort of twisted arm to go back and play shield cricket. They couldn't wait to play for WA. I met Dennis Lilly at your wedding a few months back, first time I've ever met him, and I was amazed at how on the money he is with what's currently happening. I said to him... Oh, look, you may not remember, Dennis, um, back in 1979, don't – you love people saying that to you. I had a photo with you at Richmond. He said, no, I remember. Marcy was there that day. Yep. Um, we went out on Punt Road. Yeah, he said, we're both – he remembered absolutely mm. everything yep. about it. Yep. Incredible. No, he is, he's one of the greats. Um, and what I love about him is you could speak to him at a dinner party for an hour and you could leave and have no idea what he did or who he was. Yeah. He never talks about cricket, never talks about himself – Incredibly humble bloke for the best fast bowler I think the game's ever seen. But, yeah, so the, the old man had this incredible time playing for WA and what I love about a bristle, as you saw at my wedding, is that Stumpy, Laird, Dennis, Invers, Ros Marsh, sadly Rod's not with us anymore, they're all still best mates. Yep. And that's 50 or 60 years later, so yeah, I, I love that. On your cricketing career in particular, JB, and I'm not a big cricket fan, so mm. I had to do a bit of research. Yes. And this is Wikipedia, so not the finest source of information. You're the lowest. But there was a, there was a couple of comments there that sort of, I'm like, mm. oh, that's unfair to put those to JB. It says, it didn't say he was, oh, he was an incredibly great bowler or anything. He said no, he not. was a consistent fielder. <laughs> and then What's, it goes on to say, Brayshaw wasn't really in contention for a baggy green cap. Is this just an opportunity to slag you? No, look, it, uh, people often do that. I don't give a stuff. But um, <laughs> no, it, that is true in the baggy green sense because uh, I, I had, in fact, I'm going to dig it up because the, the, what was I your first found class average, by the way? 43. Or, oh, Sheffield Shield average was 43. How many runs total in first uh, uh, well, I reckon it was thousands? A, a, yeah, about yeah. five. Five thousand. Um, wow. But let me just find this because. That's pretty good. I'll, I'll dig it up for While you. While you are looking at that, um, mm -hmm. Brian. JB's wedding that we we're just talking about. You missed the memo on the, um, or you didn't miss the memo. You knew what the uh, the dress code oh, was, but totally missed the brief. Oh. JB, what, what went who, on? Who there? has what was that? Oh, Melfi Coast. A Melfi Coast. That is their dress oh, I love code. They, what the? <laughs> what does that mean, JB? I, I love I, it. I can't wear linen. I'm sorry. No, I love the fact that Gil McLaughlin. We're going to get onto that in a minute. Just yeah. let me find right. this because I want to finish with what you yeah, were right. talking about, and then we'll get back to uh, the wedding. But what? So I, I bring this up to 
to your point, Harrison, about how far away from playing for Australia I was. You're obviously was. very good to have um, <coughs> to even have a career that you did. Uh, but some so let me just say this: the 1998-99 first Test of an Ashes series, which is just after I finished, yeah. the Australian starting six were Taylor, Slater, Langer, War, War, Ponting. So incredible players, unbelievable players. The reason I bring this up is because all of these blokes weren't good enough to get a game for Australia at that time. Matthew Elliott, Simon Kadich, Mike Hussey, Matthew Hayden, Greg Blewett, Brad Hodge, Mike Bevan, Darren Lehman, Jamie Siddons, Adam Gilchrist, uh, Andrew Simons, Damian Martin and Tom Moody. So, Willow, if you're listening out there, that's pre- they're pretty good numbers. <laughs> they are ridiculous players that would walk into the Australian team today. So I played in an era that was incredibly batting strong and all of those blokes were better players than I was. Just something you prepared earlier. No, <laughs> so that is a great set up. That's great. Harrison, that is Touché. a great answer. That yeah, is no, a great but I had answer. that ready for the summer because we don't have that sort of batting available to us at the moment in Australian cricket. But in the 90s, that's how rich we were in Did batting. Did you have Dean Jones in that? No, because he just retired. Right, OK. Um, but, yeah, so we, we, had, we were incredibly strong in that era. So um, I left cricket with uh, absolutely never thinking that I was unlucky not to play mm. for Australia. So play for WA and South Australia. South Australia. Anyway, more fun. The wedding, I heard he got absolutely well, ripped. So Gil McLaughlin was the MC because um, yes. we wanted it to be – we wanted the whole thing to be fun. We didn't want anyone taking got, anything seriously. <laughs> so I said to him, nothing's off limits. I said, go as hard as you like. I've never seen him bristle nervous. This is the most confident <laughs> he was. man. He was prouncing around. He, he, he couldn't was. talk to anyone pre-wedding. He was, he was nervous to the point where he – Zoomed me in the morning and started running some things by me as to, do you think that's okay? Do you think this is okay? I said, Gil, go anywhere you like. (laughs) So anyway, he gets up and the opening salvo was okay, not great, and then he introduced the first speaker. And then he came back and I thought, geez, he'd want to improve on that. The next two salvos were in the middle of the next two lots of speakers. He just got better and better until in the end... He gave me, I think, one of the great rinsings <laughs> a, a groom has ever received. Yeah. But then he turned on the audience and ma- mainly turned on your old man yeah. because he said, Brian looks like he's a bus driver. <laughs> <laughs> Which I found incredibly amusing. And I was incredibly sensitive about it because <laughs> from the moment that I turned up on the beautiful lush lawn of uh, Cottesloe Beach <laughs> yep. there... Um, and I realised that, you know, all these You'd trendy cricketers <laughs> were in linen and, you know, lightweight well, sort of Well, uh, Tanya garments. the Dull, who would have been very she immaculately dressed, yeah, she, she would have dressed you. She, well, I only had a certain number because, as you know, I don't travel with any bag, so I had a toilet bag to put my clothes in. Because of the airport <laughs> efficiency, of course. We've <laughs> yes. got to get in and out. We will get into that. So, yes. anyway, that's that's. Uh, it was why. good fun. But we had a ball, a, didn't we? It was, it was a great a, wedding. It was a party. Great and wedding. And Sam Newman, he was... Oh, the thing that stood out about that night is the food was it was cocktail, Harrison. It was, you know, it would come around and serve and you'd get a piece here and there. Well, I don't think they served food for about an hour and <laughs> Sam was just about ready to leave. How yeah. unusual is he? Because I, oh I was saying to God. Harrison last night when we were talking about you that if you went into a Triple M box and you had a piece of fruit, don't mind eating it. <laughs> if you just had a piece of fruit, he would smell it yeah. and leave the box. No, he would. He's, a, he's the weirdest bloke ever. He, so on the back of what you're saying... I, I said to um, one of the people organising it who were great from that uh, amazing venue, the Shaw House, came up about what you're talking about. And I said to him, mate, don't worry about it. I said, you could merge Rockpool and Nobu and plonk it on the Amalfi Coast yeah. overlooking super yachts 
with it 25 degrees and the greatest setting for a venue ever and Sam would still find something yeah. to complain about. Yeah, so true. I said, Don't. he'll complain regardless of what you do. So just keep <laughs> doing what you're doing. Everyone's loving it. Yeah. But, yeah, the fruit thing's weird with him, but that's what, just one of the weird things. He doesn't like the smell of fruit. No. Is that it? Fruit, does not. fruit or farts? No, well, you can't I, I, fart. I can, I can <clears throat> see the farts. No, but he will actually leave and not come back no, to work will. if someone dropped their guts. When he was with Triple M in the box with you guys, coin footy, yep. there was a few massive blow-ups, wasn't there? Like, he stormed out. Yeah, didn't he? Oh, and well, that, and that was when the, the uh, caller ran... Cause, but by the end of his commentary time on radio, Sam had become a bit negative about yeah. the game, hadn't he? Yeah, he, did, yeah. that he didn't really want to do it anymore. He was happy doing the rubs. He didn't really want to do the commentary. And he wasn't happy with the way the game was being played. And that bled out through the speakers one day. So this bloke said, listen, why don't you just pack up and shuffle off and let the modern <laughs> blokes call the footy in, you know. So he, <laughs> Sam said, uh, you know, what was your name, sir? And the guy said, oh, my name's Warren. And he said, Warren... We, are we allowed to, can you yeah, beep it out? Yeah, yeah. Warren, this is live on air. Yeah. You're a fuckwit. <laughs> and Brian and I are down the front of the box. And Brian's going, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, I've said, I think we might have just had a bit of uh, interference on the line there. <laughs> we sort of tried to get our asses out of it. And at that point, he and I, he used to, because Sam's been great to me. I, I love the man. He's yeah, been so great to me as well. supportive and yeah. so brilliant. So we used to live pretty close to each other in those days. And he used to give me a ride to the games. So we walked out in the car park and not a lot was being said after that. Sat in the car and he just paused for a second. He said, uh, I think I'm just about done, Jimmy. <laughs> I said, force. After that, you might be. So he didn't commentate uh, after that. He just did the, you know, the colour stuff in, in the pre-game and was brilliant at it. Were you there at the period when uh, Triple M footy, when Kekka was introduced as yes, well? Yes, was. So Kekka and Sam, who the two Sams don't necessarily get on famously. And large they characters. Get, they mm. get on, but not famously. I think there's some some maybe history going yep. way, way back between them. But that was, uh, you know, you, you just that particular period was a little nervy about having both of those guys on air at the same time. But you know what, BT, that's one of the things I admire about him and I don't have it in my own sort of armoury, is Sam doesn't care whether he no. likes people or not. No. He's, once the mics roll, he'll just perform and, and do his job. Whereas I always think, you know, for me, I love working with BT and all the Triple M and Channel 7 people because I really enjoy all of them. So I enjoy working with them because I enjoy them as people. Whereas Sam always said... I don't have to get on with someone. I'll just mm -hmm. I'll just do my job, and that's that's a quality he has. How did the Triple M footy role come up? So you were in South Australia. You'd work for Seven over there. I think yep. you were doing radio radio over, over there, there as well for Triple M. Yep. No. Was that all cricket stuff? No, it was SAFM breakfast. But I was also doing Triple M footy for Adelaide, and Jeff Alice, who you would yes. remember, Janine, you know, Boost Juice Alice's yep. husband, who I love, by the way. Um, I loved him because he's brutal. He's just like Honest. we had as coaches. Straight down the line. Straight down the line, which I, all I ever wanted was someone to tell me that you're not doing that right, fix this, etc. And he was, I loved him. He said, look, come over here. Uh, Eddie's moving out of Triple M footy, so we need someone to come and sort of steer the ship. So uh, Harrison, I remember it vividly because I wandered in to a commentary box that had your old man, Sam, Dermot, Jason Dunstall, <laughs> What year are we talking about? Uh, 2001, this... two, somewhere yeah, around yeah. 2002, there. I reckon. Um, yeah, all of those sort of blokes. And egos, so, egos. But, well, so what were you thinking? When you, could you remember walking in? Can not you, only you... egos, but that's the who's who yeah. of Australian rules football all in the one box. And not only the egos, Harrison, but massive men 
All of them <laughs> huge, big men. So I walk in at 85 kilos and no one, or actually Dermot loved his cricket, so Dermot I'm pretty sure knew who I was, but no one else did. So I walk in and at the first meeting I remember all these big bastards looking at me going, who the fuck are you? Did you have and, a, and a why imp- am I listening to anything you say? A bit of an imposter syndrome oh, and 100%. felt like you had to prove something. A hundred percent. And so we we did the first sort of, I reckon, BT six to seven weeks of the year. Yep. And it was very straight and very sort of normal broadcasting. And then um, the first survey came out and it was ordinary. We were comfortably third, you know, mm. AW and ABC were miles and, ahead of and us. And this, we were really battling with the ratings. So they mm. actually meant something there. Yep, they did. Yep. So I so I remember walking into Jeff Alice and he sort of had the ratings in front of him and he said, um, that doesn't look very good. I said, no, it isn't very good. But I'll never forget what he said, Bristol. He said, all right, what are you going to do about it? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I've brought you over to, you know, take control of this thing. If it's rubbish and it looks like it is, what are you going to do about it? So then we went and sat down with all the boys and I remember thinking the best fun part of this day is the 15 minutes before we go to air because that was all the banter, wasn't mm. it? Out on, out on the table, just outside the door of the studio, you get out there, they roll up and, you know, people couldn't wait to tell their stories. The way. This saw was JB off, off air originally. Off air, yeah, oh, of course. Saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I saw JB yeah. at a restaurant, yeah. did you know, he did this, this and this and then Sputter'd have this big smirk yeah. on his face That's and it'd it. eventually explode. And That's it. So, so this so is essentially the birth of the rub. Well, it was. This so idea. Of, and yeah. Sam would be ripping into someone and then uh, Dermot would climb into someone. And I remember thinking if there's a way that we can get that to air, that is what I'd want to listen to. You know, oh. so and that's really how the rub well, started, wasn't it? It was, and so many people said, "Oh, it's just like being at a bar and having a chat yeah. in a circle." And actually, I think we got past the radio mystique in the end, and we just we thought that ourselves. We thought we forgot we were on air, mm. actually, and we were just having a good time, you know. And and you, the thing about Triple M, the rub at that particular stage, you never there was always someone on any given day that was going to be targeted. Big time. You were going to be brought down and it was going to be in a big way and you just never knew. So everyone would walk tentatively to this discussion table before we enter the studio and there'd be little little conversations going on (laughs) in the background. You never knew whether you were the target. And so you'd you'd mentally check yourself. You'd go back during the week, where have I been? What have I done? Who have I spoken to? What did I buy? What didn't I buy? For those who aren't football fans, this this is a program that would run before the Saturday um, sort of lunchtime slot. This yep. is the, the pre-game yeah, show. Pre-game. Yeah, yep. went for two hours. The game and always used to start at five past two in those days. But Bristol, what what I loved is if if I said so, or if Brian said something like, "Oh look, I yeah, uh, I might have landed myself in a bit of trouble." Would yeah, during the week I, I said this, I shouldn't have said it. But you know, not mate, it's absolutely storm. We're not going to be going with that. We would open up. And it's like, uh, you know, Brian Taylor, the best caller in the business, Dermot Brereton himself, uh, you know, 15 mirrors at his house, uh, Jason Dunstall, grumpiest man, but a 1,000 goals, and Sam Newman, <laughs> the biggest name. In f- and I'd get halfway through Sam Newman's introduction and Sam would go, and you landed yourself in trouble during the week, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> and all the blood would drain out of Brian's face. And we realised that you couldn't say anything, anything. in front of Sam because he would go with it on air yeah. immediately. Yeah, Absolutely. and you have to follow it up. But this is – the rub was so great at building all of your characters and profiles. Like it opened yeah, but, up a whole uh, new world. But that of- didn't just happen. So this is what JB's really good at. And, you know, Gary as well. Gary Lyon, give him a lot of credit. Both those guys are really good, Harrison, at um, – 
pushing the right buttons, understanding the people they're working with and getting the absolute max out of all of those guys, Jay. But I don't know whether you know that, but that's I think that's one of your, your best attributes and particularly Gary as well. Yep. They were f- – and, and moulding a um, – I, I reluctantly say personality, it's probably the wrong word, but a character, making you into this character almost mm. – and that's what that's what they did. That's well, what they were good at. And Gary was amazing. I mean, you look at purple and all those. Oh guys. no, hundred percent. So Gary was amazing because he did that and was a character himself. Yes, he was. Which is hard. Whereas yeah. Damo and I sort of sat back and just kept pushing it in front of people. Gary was an expert at getting other people to shoot his bullets. <laughs> <laughs> and and Spud swallowed oh, it every time. Every uh, time. They'd walk before we went on air, uh, Gary would say, oh, Spud, uh, you know, uh, Melbourne Football Club have uh, done this wrong during the... And, and Spud... And, and it, so then Spud would get on air and he just couldn't help himself yeah. but blurt the whole Melbourne story out, yeah. you know? Uh, but and, that, that time, Spud, because Gaz got invited down to Melbourne when they are having a few issues seven or eight or ten years ago, probably was. And so he was brought down to just have a bit of a look at what they were doing within the footy department. and So he's walked in wearing the polo, you know, Ralph Lauren sort of polo shirt and the, and the chinos and, and, and Spud finally latched onto something that he could nail Gary with because Spud was terrified of Gary. Yeah. So he, but finally he latched onto something and he got on this role one day saying, and in comes the sheriff <laughs> wearing his polo Ralph Lauren with the collar popped up and it's tucked into some chinos and he's got, got some really fine Italian loafers on. What a wanker. <laughs> we, were, we, we were in tears. Yeah. And it's the, I reckon it's the only time I've ever, and I was, I've worked with Gary about as long as BT, it's the only time I've seen him speechless yeah. where he actually couldn't come back with yeah. anything. He was just, yeah. we were all crying. So everyone... To Brian's point, everyone had their turn, but what I loved most about that time was the chief, when you got him riled up enough, he would just turn on me and it would be three or four of the funniest minutes. Like he'd give it the, honestly, who are you? Yeah. Who cares yes. about anything you've got to say? You know, and, it and was we just, all know we all knew the chief was smarter than most others in us, the box, except for Sam. Maybe, yeah, but the rest he, of us he had. He was, and, and I just say while we're on it, JB. So I just want you to pick your best half dozen. Like, if you <laughs> no, let, let's let, no, we're going to do that later. We'll do, we'll do it, it later. We'll right. do it. Yeah, we're going to draft. Right. So each of you right. are a team captain. Okay, we're going to do a draft yep. of your uh, ultimate oh. rough yes. team. We'll do it at the end. Okay, yeah, I'll set some more ground rules when we go on to it, but. Continue on from the rub, and we'll touch. We've touched on Spud, his legacy, and and his memory is just like it now shines and, and, and glows, as in. Oh yeah, what a legend! I mean, he came out of coaching Richmond, and my brother actually was the my older brother who was the CEO of Richmond when Spud was there. Said, I, I reckon Spud, when he finished his coaching, would actually do that job really well. And I remember doing three or four things with Spud when he was coach, and he was not showing any of those attributes at all. <laughs> he was straight and worried and frowning and all the rest. Yeah. And I remember saying to Mark, I don't, I don't see any of that. But one day <laughs> I was doing the boundary <laughs> for nine in Adelaide and it was in Spud's last sort of three or four games and he, he called me over to those dugouts that were underneath ground yeah, level at yeah, yeah. Footy Park. And he started telling me how shit the Richmond team was <laughs> that was playing that day. <laughs> and he started doing that stupid giggling that he used to. He'd give it the, have a look at our starting Ruckman. I mean, have a look at that. And I, he started laughing and I started laughing and I thought, Mark, that's what he's on about, you know. So he came in and uh, he, he, 
he did his first stint with us and he said, uh, he was commentating and he said, you know, the, the ball was in the pocket and, you know, let's say it was uh, Campbell Brown. He said, and, and, and Campbell Brown was stimmied and, and what sounds at the back going stymied, uh, actually, Dan. And he just started correcting him on yeah. every word that he was saying incorrectly. Yeah. I remember the end of the, the game, Spud was shattered and we walked out together and he said to me, oh, I don't think I can do this. He said, well, I said, why not? He said, Sam just... Gives it to me all the time. I said, Spud, one thing you've got to understand about Sam is he only ever gives it to the people he loves. If he doesn't like you, he yeah. won't even refer to you on air or off yeah. air. The only time he ever climbs into someone is when he loves them and has got respect for them. So if he's given it to you, mate, he may, he, that means you're part of the team and he's really happy for you to be you know, on board. So Spud quickly became a juggernaut. I remember on the Toyota Tour, Harrison, we were about to take off from Toyota headquarters at uh, Port Melbourne there. Paddy Dangerfield was on this particular trip and I remember he got dropped off by his dad and Paddy jumped on the bus and I think Paddy was maybe in his first or second year or something like that and Paddy's dad said now, ooh, now you've got to look after uh, Patrick. You know, he, uh, he just uh, steady him and put him in the nice room and don't let him out beyond 7.30 at night and all this sort of stuff. Anyway, I remember Spud on the first night, we're up in Sale or somewhere up in the Gippsland there, on the very first night, uh, you know, it got to about 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock and we, were still, we just had dinner and we're at the bar there and, you know, it's all blocked off private and the whole thing and Spud eventually lures Danger up onto <laughs> a stool and uh, Patrick Dangerfield was was blasting out some tune on a stool and I just echoing in my ears was his dad, now you keep Paddy, lock him away. <laughs> <close> <laughs> him Don't let him have a drink or anything like that. And that was Spud's ability, be able to yeah. get stuff out of people. You know, uh, my nephew Angus is about to marry Danielle Frawley, yes. uh, Spud's middle daughter, and she is a glorious mix of Anita and Daniel and I obviously see her a lot. And every now and then I see the same stupid look on her face where that you know there's <laughs> mischief happening inside yes. the brain. Yeah. Spud used to get this stupid look and I'd look at him and go, what? What, do you, what is it? What's, what's going And he just had this – and Danielle, I say it to a regular, I say, geez, there are times when you are the, the dead ringer of your old man and it's not physically because Danielle's beautiful and Spud was far from beautiful looking, but it's the stupid look they get in their eyes and their face. It's just identical. So – I get a regular reminder of what a joy Spud was to have as, as a friend. Just, just on a serious note, uh, last week it was announced that Angus was having to give yep. up football. Um, that must have been incredibly hard for the whole family to swallow. Yeah, and mainly for him because, well, you know, yeah, BT, oh, when, so... you're, when you're f f passionate about doing something from the age of five uh, and then you'd you be able to live your childhood dream of playing AFL footy and then, you know, playing in a premiership team and all the rest of it, and you're absolutely mm. at your prime. At your prime. Uh, and, and then you're told, you know, you, you haven't got a choice. You're told, yep. mate, your time's up. Uh, I think it's been incredibly hard for him and Danielle and, and you know, Deb, Angus's mum, who's a ripper. So, yeah, I think they've all done, they've all done it pretty tough. But, but um, longevity-wise, it's got to be the right call. If, if there's the chance that he could... Be yep. making things worse um, yep. with future head knocks. It's a no, like oh, no, no, Harrison, no pun intended, but it's a no brainer. No, you're spot on, and I that's what I said to him. I'm, pragmatism doesn't to. really work when you're just hearing news like that. But I said to him, mate, you don't want to be in your mid forties and sitting in a chair dribbling mm. out of the side of your mouth mm. and not not understanding what anyone's saying. Yeah, I mean, he's a uni university graduate, really smart kid. Works for David Evans at Evans and Partners in the in their finance sort of area, and so he's got a whole life right, to future. lead. But the raw 
you know, mm. the rawness of being told, mate, your time's up, especially when you've done a whole pre-season. I mean, I don't know about you, but I hated I, pre-season. I watched him down at Lawn, yeah. He was, so he was looking good. You finished a whole pre-season, yeah. then you can't actually play. Yeah, I think yeah. He's, he's, he's done it pretty tough. Speaking about the rub before and, and that ability and the idea of We've got to mention Tunnicliffe too, yeah, don't forget yes, that. The fun and the larrikin into a football environment. The footy show did that so well for so long. What was it like being involved in that show um, so heavily? Oh, uh, well, so for me, I'd, I'd never thought I was going to do that show, by the way. We did a, a thing called Any Given Sunday, which was after the Sunday footy show. And back then, that, they were two big shows. So I was happy doing that. Ed left to run, um, as I used to say at the time, the known world. So he, he <laughs> stopped being the, the, uh, the host. And so I just assumed and, and was very comfortable in assuming that Gary would just take over. He was the perfect fit, really good at his job, did a great job of the Sunday footy show, legend of the game. So I just assumed Gaz would go up and do it and, and I'd keep doing or hope that we'd keep doing this any given Sunday. So when the job was given to the two of us, I was – completely sort of blindsided by it. But I loved it. Um, we had a ball. The main thing I loved is BT because he used to come on regularly. The main thing I loved is Sam, Gary, Croft, Bill, myself, who were the, the sort of five, you know, ones that were on most of the time, got on like a house on fire. All five of us had a, a great relationship. So that was brilliant. And then we had the regulars like BT who we loved. And then we had all the players that came on. Um, what were the pre-production meetings like? Oh, they chaos? Well, they're hilarious because, well, for a start, Sam hardly knew who any of the players were. So we'd have <laughs> we, Danger... Don't worry, you'd know that as a viewer. <laughs> yeah, no, we'd have Danger come on and he'd, he'd, he'd walk into the green room with this terror in his eyes yeah. and he'd, he'd grab me by the, sh- you know, th- your pocket. Who's that? Right, who, who's that, Jimmy? Who's that one? Oh, that's Paddy Dangerfield. He's uh, just won, you know, the best and fairest at Adelaide and came third in the brown lap. Thank you. Uh, Danger, <laughs> very nice to see you. Um, thank you for coming on. And he, he was always yeah, he amazingly was like polite. Yeah. So that was great, uh, Sam. But it, So for me, Harrison, that was always Sam's show. We yeah. just kept building platforms for him to do, you know, what he did best, which is incredibly entertaining. So this was all really an extension of Triple M, wasn't it? I can't remember which one was on air first, whether it was Triple M or the, the footy, footy show. show. It might have been the footy show. Yeah. Oh, sorry, you mean yeah. our, yeah. our rain? Yeah. No, no, the rain prior to that. Yeah. So, yeah, the footy show. Well, so, probably not far from the same time, Yeah, I probably about yeah. the same time. Yeah. And this changed radio and TV dramatically, Harrison, because it went from a very um, ABC, 3AW style to one where you could now have fun and fun show I mean. personality and you mm. weren't just doing the scores and uh, and the obvious things. Yeah. It? It, it really yep. opened up, particularly Triple M, the rub, I think, well, and the footy show as well to a certain degree, really opened it up to yeah. a different way of thinking and talking about footy. The footy shows now dissolve. What was your exit like? Were there... I remember hearing something about... Yeah, it was. Well, before I get onto that, just to finish on the footy show, for me what it did was it changed television in Australia forever because, Sam, I reckon you've got to go almost all the way back to Graham Kennedy or maybe Bert Newton a little bit, those two, genuine people that you watch television and you had no idea what was going to happen next. No, No idea. I mean, television has become, I think, such a vanilla and bland thing. This is entertainment television. Well, it's become all reality shows and all the rest of it. But when I used to watch the footy show prior to having anything to do with it, the reason I was glued to it was because I used to watch Sam Newman and honestly had no idea what he was going to do next. And if you go back to Graham Kennedy and Coast to Coast and those shows, 
the reason he was must watch television is because you just didn't know what the hell was going to yeah. come out of his mouth next. And there's something sort of magnetic about that. So for me, working with Sam was gold because as a person on the same panel, I had no idea what he was about to say next and that made it just blissful, even though we got it wrong a lot and probably went to places we shouldn't go to. You know, the, the viewing audience was there to watch him. He was an amazing performer, yeah, wasn't he? He was. He, yeah, he yeah. really was. He was that How show. How old is he now, Sam? He's 78. 78 and still going strong. Yeah. So to get into my exit, so I, Gary yeah, left the year so before. 2016. Yep. What happened? Gary left the year before, so we had a a um, a year where Beck and I did it, and then we had a negotiation sort of happening where they said, um, "Here's the money," and the money was absolutely fine. Uh, these are the terms, and the terms were absolutely fine. The only thing I said, BT, is I'd been out of calling TV footy for a long time. Yep. So I said. I don't know, somewhere in this deal there might come an opportunity on Fox to call footy. There just might. Yeah. So I said I want the ability to do that and I want the ability to do some stuff on digital platforms and that was mainly around potentially cricket in the subcontinent and yeah. Northern Hemisphere, et cetera. So I sat down, had the meeting. Um, at the meeting the people on the other side of the desk said that's absolutely fine, no problem. And I, So we stood up, I'll never forget it, stood up, shook hands and uh, I, they said we're all good. Looked at me and I said, mate, as long as the contract you send me reflects this conversation, we've got no problems. Yep. So you know the rest. Contract arrived a week later and nothing, nothing that had been discussed at that meeting was included in it. So I just turned around and said, look, I'm not, I've got no issue with the money. This is not about money uh, or the term. But I said, I'm not saying anything until those two things are included in it. So I then went down to Albany to see mum who wasn't going well at the time, bottom of WA. And um, the boss of Nine Melbourne rang and said, oh, We've had a rethink. We're going a different way. I said, right. If that if that has stemmed on the back of you not putting those two things in there, then so be it. Yep. You know. And I, I sort of walked away, and I'd had 16 years at nine and 11 years That's on the footy show. And yeah, exactly. Bloody I'd, good run. So I wasn't, I wasn't unhappy. I was unhappy with a few of the things that were then leaked out afterwards. Right. Um, I didn't think that. You know. I didn't think that was necessary. So, so how long was it after the uh, the leaving of Channel 9 and the joining of 7? What period of time was it? About 18 there? months to two oh, years, I reckon it was. was yep. a couple of years And to that. be honest, Bristle, I, I left and I thought, look, if that's the end of my time doing TV, then I'm, you know, I'm, I don't need to necessarily do it again. There's lots of other things that I can the do. The footy show was almost, I won't say it was almost done then, but... There were so many other sh things happening like it, weren't there? Yeah, there were. And I also thought that there was a fair target on its back by that yeah. stage. People were really yeah. going after it. And a lot of that was unsavoury. It had been untouchable for 25 years, but in the end people started picking it off. And I was the president of North at the time, so every time there was any controversy, that was added yep. in. And yeah. by the way, a president of an AFL club was sitting on the panel, even though they knew I'd had nothing to do with whatever the controversy was. I was added into it all. So it became hard work, which it never was. Yeah. Uh, so I look back on it now and think it was a brilliant time. I had a great, you know, I really enjoyed my time at nine. Brent Williams, who yes, great, you and I great both man. love. Excellent operator. Yep, was my boss nearly for that whole time and I really enjoyed working with Brent. Um, still enjoy chatting to him to this day. He's the head of sport at nine. So I've, I look back with 99 out of the 100 points are really positive. A bit of the way it was finished at the end yeah. was unsavoury, but... That happens to a lot of people. We'll move on. Brent Williams, and we must mention Luke Tunnicliffe. So Brent Williams, Channel 9, Luke Tunnicliffe, Triple M, yep. right? Producer, many, many. Was yep. he your only producer? Or was uh, there one some... of, yeah, and brilliant. Yeah. Really, really good. So, I mean, 
this, I often say this about our business, Harrison. People every now and then say, you know, if you're going to talk to a young bloke who's coming through in, in this medium, what's your advice? And the two things I always say is work harder than you think you need to work, but secondly, work with good people. If, if you can work with good people, they make you so much better. So I was really lucky to work with Brent on Nine and Luke on, uh, on Triple M, um, but then all those blokes we talked about on the radio and then all those amazing people on the footy show, but then going over and commentating cricket with Richie Benno and Bill Laurie and Ian Chappell and Mark Taylor and Michael Slater. And, you know, so I had this incredible luck to work with brilliant people and my recommendation to all young you – know, Al Nicholson's, a, yep. I think, a really, really high-quality young broadcaster and when he asked me a while ago, I said to him, Nico, just make sure you work with really, really good people. Yep. That'll yep. stand you in great stead. Yep. Hey, one, I just want to do one, one more story if we can. It was when JB – First arrived at, must have been Triple M, I think, or it was about at that time. We went to Hamilton Island, remember, yes. on the boat. <laughs> so we'd done it. There was, there was, here's the names. Uh, Brayshaw, Dunstall, yeah. um, Lion. Frawley, Lion, Newman. And yourself. Myself. Yep. On an well, we've told the story. We told them briefly a few episodes ago, but I, I, I dare say JB. We, got we, we did a function. They, they, they paid for this boat. They had this boat as, as you know, for doing the function, etc. So they sent us on this. I mean, I'm talking a massive 120 foot thing with bloody state rooms. Oh, it's unbelievable! You know, you roll up there and you all got your own bed. Beautiful thing with uh, with a chef, with a with a captain, and with a water sports person. It's like uh, below deck, yeah. but the Australian version. Yeah. It was it was incredible, and it was not Except 20 there years were ago. Seven or eight guys on it, <laughs> and I remember the very first lunch. We pulled out of Hamilton Island, and we drove about two hours, and we anchored somewhere, and we're about to have our first meal lunch. And I remember a beautiful, you know, table out the back and we're all sitting down very formal with serviettes and wine glasses and silverware <laughs> and, you know, the little chef comes out and he put plomps a quiche the size of a 50-cent piece <laughs> in front of us, right? And Sam Newman took one look at it, didn't yeah, he? he did. He took one look at it and he said, uh, get the chef out here and he, <laughs> he went through it. Are you ever service anything like that again? Anyway, got big meals from him. But the, 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 the story I want you to tell is about you and how we decided we we're going to play beach cricket one well, day. Well, the, before we get to the beach cricket, we hadn't pulled out before you had decided that there wasn't enough beer on board. <laughs> so this 120-foot thing's heading out and it had to turn around and yes. come back so we could restock the beer. But the other one before the beach cricket is um, I, I, Jason Dunstall's a man I absolutely love. He's, he is high quality. But he's, he's also very gettable if you chip away at him enough. He can lose his temper. And it's, this is a big boat, Harrison. This thing's huge. Huge. So I'm, I'm confident that no matter if the chief comes after me, I can get away uh, you know, enough. And, and he, at that stage, he couldn't be bothered. He'd, he'd give it about two metres and he'd just give up and he'd go, your time will come. You know, and I'd say, no, I won't, chief. I'm bigger <laughs> than you. I can get it. Anyway, so I was chipping away at him. And on about the third day, we were – belting from one place to another. And it was probably doing 25 knots, yeah. this thing. It's a big, beautiful, big boat. 120 foot. Yep. So I've, I'm giving it to the chief, but I'm just safe enough away from him. And, and, and I was giving it to him because he was wearing the budgie smugglers. And I'm like, chief, you know, this is 2005. People don't wear them anymore. <laughs> so anyway, he's, I could tell he was starting to get twitchy. And I've got my exit planned and I give him one more blast and he gets up out of this sort of 
the cushion thing he was he was lying on, and I, that's the time to exit. I go to take off down the side of the boat and Spud's standing in my way. <laughs> and I'm like, now I'm in real trouble because I'm not getting past Spud. So as I try and get past Spud, the chief latches onto me and this is isn't he, the yeah. most brutally powerful man. Yeah. I've, he, uh, and that's yeah. so I'm 87, 86, 87 kilos. He has grabbed me, flipped me over and grabbed me by the ankle and dangled me with one arm out over the side of the no. boat. So my arms are going like this and all I can see is this water flying past. And I'm saying, Chief, don't. And this is the middle of the bloody ocean, by the way. We're not near any islands. The definition or of I'm a like, piss ant. Exactly. I'm like, Chief, no, Chief, don't be, just be, I'm only joking. And he's literally dangling me over the side of this boat. And eventually he just, with, again, with one arm, just lifted me back over the rail and dumped me on the sort of deck and said, That'll do for you. Uh, yeah, and I think he might have called me a piss ant. Uh, and then I thought, right, I'm not having to go at Chief anymore. I'll just keep it nice and simple. But civil. he did get back, Joe. He did get because he was the one that organised the beach cricket. Yeah, he yeah, said, yeah. let's go and play beach cricket. Let's get uh, JB to the yep. batsman. Yep. And, we, you know, it was the tennis the ball skimming catching. off the water. Yep. And we'll you just... You tell it. And, mm. and so we arrive at this beach location, beautiful little deserted beach, no one around. Uh, we, we, we get the boat out and we go into the beach and we're all there and we're all giggling and laughing because, JB, you bat, you bat. And um, <laughs> we've got this uh, tennis ball that's got a bit more in it. It's got yeah. a bit of inner in it. It's got a little <laughs> bit of firmness about it. It wasn't just the little soft tennis yeah. ball. And we're, we are zinging them off the water at JB <laughs> to see, you know, you, you think you're a good cricketer, see if you can handle these. And we're all had a go and we're all belting him. He's got red belts all over his body. But the other one I want to... Well, Chief wasn't... At least the rest of them were landing him on the water. Yeah. So then you got a chance, you know, yeah. nicking him to the slips and all the rest of it. Chief, when it came his turn, just... Because you're in waist-high water, so you haven't got a lot of wriggle room. You can't move too far. Chief's decided that you don't have to hit the water. <laughs> he was just going straight at me with beep <laughs> And I'm diving out of the way. That was bloody good fun, that, actually. I want to do a moment on the rush hour because that's been such a massive part of your life over the last few years and the success of it. And your chemistry with Bill yeah. is, is unmatched. So my, a lot of my close friends from school who I'm really good mates with, they're absolute rush hour and rub nuffies. And they <laughs> sent in a few things and they just said, you've got to ask about you know, that chemistry with Bill, um, things like Todd from Barwon Heads, yeah, any yeah. intel there. Well, Harrison, what I'm amazed at with that show, because we're now in our mid-50s, is how committed the young audience is. You know, like the, the amount of young blokes that come up to me in pubs and things like that and talk rush hour, and I always look at them and go, you know, they're like it's 18. Re- it's religious. Yeah, it, Every tradie for a start. Yeah, they're all young blokes yeah. and girls, but young people. And I'm like, that, that interests me because I always think, you know, we just waffle on and all the rest of it. But it's, um, again, a bit like the footy show was a platform for Sam's genius the rush hour, a lot of it is a platform for Bill and, you know, without him without even meaning to has got this incredible comedic sort of <laughs> side to him. And so all we do is just keep providing the platforms for fat to, you know, stuff things up, you know, go down the wrong sort of rabbit hole and then just completely destroy a segment which is hilarious. Um, I mean, the jokes, a classic example of that, I always said to the previous boss... Mate, the worse the joke is, the funnier the segment is. That's exactly. the whole reason for yeah. it, you know. And so it's in its 15th year, which I can't believe. But, yeah, a lot of that is just because Bill is, and, and BT knows, Bill is such a generous on-air person. He, he doesn't care if he's got the joke or someone else has got the joke. He doesn't. He just, all he cares about is that you have fun and the product that comes out through the speakers is is fun for people to listen yeah. to. So he's, he's a genius, Bill. He... he 
tries to tell us that he means yeah. the stuff ups, but he doesn't. So you've got to like this stuff while it's there, Harrison. You know, the, the rub, as we knew it and have been describing it today, has, has disappeared and now it's a new breed of people that are making their way. But you look at, uh, you know, what they do at the moment with Bill... I mean, in 10 years' time, it'll be different. And you'll yeah, go, well, oh, gee, got remember the days with Billy and JB? It was bloody great. Why can't we do that again? Well, so enjoy it now. Enjoy mm. it while it's there. So yeah. do we know who Todd from Bowen Heads is? He rings in. Um, I, every now and then I think to myself, geez, that voice sounds familiar. Who is this bastard? But I, the, our crew, if they know, the back rumours, have done a bloody good job of keeping it from us. Because, yeah. But I love him. He, he, and he's as prepared as all get out. And then he just gets on and nails fat. And yeah. And in, in comes Tanya Taylor. Hey, There's the lovely Mrs. T and coming gone. in. She's just throwing the dog inside. Yeah, no, and I love like, it. Hey, Hansel. Um, yeah. yeah, so he's, uh, he's a, a big part of it. But Where did the nickname Jing come from? Oh, no, a bloke. A bloke got it wrong on air once. He said, um, fat and jing. <laughs> oh, no, actually, I, I, reckon, I, reckon actually, I reckon fat said it once. He, he fat called me jing. jing and it just sort of stuck. Um, and, you know, he's called Bins because, you know, he was, he was reminiscing about September one day years ago and he said, oh, you know, the, the, the sun shines, the grass grows and... The bins are out longer. <laughs> and I said, no, they're not. The bins aren't out any longer. There's no difference between September and any other month. So he, from that moment on, has been called bins. But, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's, a, it's a, a good escape a bit for us that do it because it doesn't take itself seriously and it's about having fun. And the other thing I, I love about a BT is, like, Cam Zerha is a great example. The, the young players, like Jake Fraser-McGurt came on the other day, you know, the, the young whiz kid cricketer. I wasn't on the show. But the you know, Rabs and the production staff said, hey, he's an avid listener. He started quoting bits of the show to us. And this is just a young punk yeah. age 21. So, you know, as, as Zerha loves it, the young blokes love it. So that, I reckon, is a, a good sign you're doing something yeah. right. Yeah. Um, as we mentioned earlier, we're going to do a bit of a draft here. And I haven't, we haven't prepped you, mm -hmm. so you're on the spot. But I know your memory is great yep. of, of people. So what we're doing is, so you're both team captains. Yep. And we're going to draft... Your best rub team. How many yep. people would usually be on a rub? Well, four, sometimes five. Okay, well, so we'll go with four. four so Can't we have six? Well, you, 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 <laughs> so, JB, you'll go pick one, Brian pick two, and we'll alternate. What, do we have to pick the same but, or different? We no, pick you, the same. You, you're picking your team. All right. Okay. So once someone gets drafted, they're yep. off the draft board and it's on yep. to the next person. What I will allow, because I know how important producers are on these shows, yep. I'll allow you to draft a producer at any point and that won't count towards your four. Okay. So it's it's... You plus another four and a producer. Right, okay. All right. Well, if I'm opening the batting, the old enforcer, because I think he set up that whole genre and that whole show, uh, he's, he's my number one pick. That, mm. at, at his prime, yeah. because he's 78 now and I'm yeah. not sure he's as sharp as he used to be, but at his best, Sam Newman's the best I've ever, yeah, ever seen. Can I have Sam as well? No, <laughs> you can't. Oh, I can't. No, All you right. can't. So I'll, I'll have Gary. Gary. Yeah, good, right. good call. Three. All right, well, then I'm moving into the Chief because, firstly, I love how he used to completely destroy me on air. But, secondly, I loved his chemistry with Sam. They had... They this, had is, this is exactly what I mean about curating this team. We yeah. want people who are gelling nicely together. Yeah. So, Brian, I'm going for uh, Jason Dunstall. And you can give an explanation I, I as to I will go for Danny Frawley. Oh, pure yeah. evil. He's yes. <laughs> tricks and he's just his, his enthusiasm and, and spilling the beans and yep. always getting to the punchline at the start of the story rather than at the end of the story as he should. He would be second for me. Yeah. And then Purple, I'm, I'm grabbing. 
because you do need someone to do news. So purple at and, pick five. Yep. I, and I reckon you probably got to give uh, PT him as well because he's really. Oh, we had to, we had the Chompers for a while. No. And we had Tony Jones for yeah. a little while. Yeah. He didn't quite settle into the nah. piss taking Chompers. Yeah, did what he? other news guys we uh, had? Uh, did know. we have Mick Warner? I don't reckon. I reckon we did. No, not in my time. Mm, okay. But certainly. Purple's been the mainstay and is absolutely brilliant. Firstly, great with news, but secondly, not precious. And if the cannon turns on him, he cops it. So I'm, <laughs> I'm having him. Pick, pick six for you, Brian. I'll go with Brereton. Yeah, very good. Uh, damn it, Brereton. Yeah. He was good. And he was a lot of a lot of his stuff was pre JB's time and maybe even pre rub a little bit. It was more Eddie and Steve Quartermain who were the you know there for the first yep. five or six years. Of no, Tuber brilliant. Yep. Term, yeah. uh, very, very good. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm loving that. So, oh, well, then you've got the modern ones of, of Fat, who's doing it now, and he's exceptional at it. So uh, your, Bernie Vince is bloody good. He's this would be your last pick. This oh, is, this is right. the fourth slot. So I've got Sam. Chief. Chief. No purple. Purple. And I'm putting Fat in there because he would stuff things up which would give Sam and Chief exactly what they wanted. Uh, so. well, there's no one else left for me. What there's the, plenty of people left. Who? Name a few that aren't on there. Well, Duck. Oh, yeah, Yeah, Duck. duck. Who else? Yeah, very good. Oh, you're the one who got you. you live duck. <laughs> Any, anyone else? Uh, I'll have duck. Put duck down for yeah, me. Uh, they're yep. two bloody good teams. He, he is yep. an absolute ripper. And, and, and the thing about duck, he only spoke when he had something to say. Yes. And he he would be absolutely terrifying in the way he delivered it. You yep. would not <laughs> argue with him. I reckon purple was dead set. Yeah, he was. He was. I, I'm, assume, I'm assuming there was multiple producers over the time, so we need to round it off with a producer well, as well. Well, Tunnel Cliff was really the mainstay, though, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Like, Will Ralston does it now and he's brilliant. Um, uh, and I think Lee Simon was uh, Probably, that. yeah. But yeah. He didn't Maybe really we'll produce. just go Tunners for yeah, both teams. Tunners for both teams. Well, they're two bloody good shows. So just summarising that, BT's team is himself, Gary... Spud, Dermy, and Duck. Yeah, it's good. With Tunners on the uh, the panels. JB has Sam, Chief, Purple, Billy, and Tunners as well. Yeah. Pretty no. too elite. No, that's just what it shows you is, is how many good people have been through that program over the years. I would honestly say that to any rub that I ever went to, rarely was it pre produced in the sense that. You know, for a day we've all known what we're going to talk about. That hardly ever happened. There was never any sheet of paper that was, you know, issued pre saying this is what we're going to talk about. You'd get there, Tunners would say, I've got this interview, this interview and this interview. You guys need something to fill. What do you got? But you guys did a lot of work in digging up dirt on each other yeah, and, yeah. and yeah. preparing, loading that, um, yeah. that weapon as, well, as that, you were saying before. that's called private preparation. Yeah, yeah. Private the the prep. other two that I loved were because well, the, the rivalry between us and that 3AW was real in the early 2000s. And two examples of it. Dermot, I remember coming in and, and looking at me and saying, oh, I've got some issues in the guts. It's, it's brewing, <laughs> you know. And anyway, he's, he's given it a couple of times. He's had to exit the box and come back in during the rub. Anyway, after the second one, he's going, oh, no, it's not, it's not good at all. He, he goes, just have a look at this. So he said, uh, halfway through the third segment, he's gone out of our box, gone into the 3RW box. <laughs> <laughs> Eased one out, Harrison, and then come back in. And all I could see were these very straight, serious 3AW people <laughs> turning green oh. <laughs> with the smell. Because you can see through the window at the ground. Left in there. Oh, and the other disgusting. thing about it was because there was glass between the box and we could see the opposition on either side of us, 
Harrison, you're listening to me. Um, <laughs> you know, we were having so much fun and laughing and barely controlling ourselves and then you'd look on either yeah. side yeah. and they were talking about, you know, talking with uh, Gil McLaughlin oh, about exactly. the bloody Andrew uh, Dimitri. player assessment or something. Oh, <laughs> well, and then Sam went in and interviewed 3AW on air. Yes. Took a microphone in there and <laughs> interviewed Rex. Yes. <laughs> and Tim Lane. Yeah. <laughs> All these blokes from 3AW on, <laughs> on Triple M. I didn't and, know what. No, he's giving it the – Sam's going, Rex, it's Sam. We worked together for years. Why aren't you talking to me? And we were in tears in the next box. So, you know, it was was, – I think my memory of that time was there was no barrier to anything. If you wanted wanted to go somewhere, we all backed you to do it and it was – Properly hilarious. Before we wrap up, just one final thing. We are brought to you by Grimley's, as we mentioned at the start. They deliver same day. Yes. Their motto is that they go above and beyond. Have yep. you paid them yet for all that decking <laughs> materials? <laughs> well, this is how we're paying them back <laughs> right, with, the, yeah. with this sponsorship. I've been asking for some fire hose from a fire hose room <laughs> for bloody months and I can't get it. Anyway, they go above and beyond. Good. When JB has someone in your life, personal or professional, gone above and beyond? Oh. That's a very serious question. Doesn't yeah. have to be a serious answer. Um, Above and beyond. Oh, look, my beautiful sister passed. Sally. Yep, years ago. Mm. And uh, and as a collective, these exact people we're talking about went above and beyond. You know, like I, I'll never forget, you know, because she died very suddenly, a wall sort of collapsed on her, so it was not something you, we as How a family... How old was she? She's mid-30s. Yep. Could prepare for early 30s. So um, it happened very suddenly and tragically. And all of those people that we've just talked about, from from Dermot to your dad to Sam to you know Gary, obviously, and you know all of those blokes were at my place and in Brighton where I used to live, and didn't leave until they were confident that I was okay. And that's what that group of blokes meant to me then and now. You know, so that's a collective group of people going above and beyond. Uh, you know, dropping food off, um, ringing. Day and night, mate, are you all right? Is there anything I can do? Um, and then we had the funeral and they were terrific during that time as well. So I, I would say that's an example of, you know, lots, lots of times people look at the electronic media and think that people are pretty superficial. Yeah, yeah. And, hey, well, bulletproof, yes, but also you know, only in it for themselves and don't give a stuff about anyone else and vacuous and all those words, which probably apply a bit. But that group were very tight and at the time of my sort of most need... All of those blokes were fantastic. So yeah. that's an example of above and beyond. Go to grimleys.com.au for delivery. You can count on just before you just prompted mm-hmm. my memory. There was a situation obviously during the pandemic where you two went over to WA to <laughs> call the grand final. Oh my God. And you stayed at a, a family friend's house yes. uh, in Mandra. Mandra. Nick, Nicky Chews. Yep. Talk me through. Did you have the Marin? Oh and my the, God. You, you guys were eating. We got like, Marin and crayfish right. delivered. I think we can say this now because. There's no way oh, McGowan's left and nah. you know, there's no way they can nail us you got anymore. some special treatment, though. No one disregarded the rules <laughs> more than your father <laughs> in the history of being quarantined. Uh, anyway, he did no one not, was going to lock me up. Did not give us stuff to the point where your beautiful sister... Because you, you had to stay in the building. Had to stay in the building. Weren't allowed out. He, he spent more time out of the building than he spent in. To the He's point, got to visit family. Ma- Michelle came over one day and said, Brian, you are going to be locked up <laughs> if you don't start obeying these pretty simple rules. 
And your old man's like, nah, I'll be, it'll be right. So he's he's sitting on boats out the front. He's he was he did we had not crayfish the wild delivered, and it, it was, was just fantastic. It and was. I chopped wood for about uh, ten days. Yep, you know the little sticks. Yeah, yeah we've now got those yeah. down in Walhalla. Yeah, yeah we've got one great. at Walhalla as a yeah. result, and I do the same thing. But it was good because we had our own areas. There was this it was a beautiful house, your friend's yeah. house, and we had these two areas of TV sort of lounge. So your old man, when he'd had enough of me, buggered off down the <laughs> and watched Formula One or whatever he was watching. We'd watch the footy together, though, because yeah. we couldn't do the prelim final, so we'd sit there and yeah, watch we that did. together. That's true. Yeah. I'll tell yeah. you what, though, finishing on that, that grand final we did, I mean, it, we talked about Angus earlier, it was a very special day for me to watch him become a premiership player, but that day calling Bristle was as much fun as it, and we've had lots yeah. of fun calling footy together, yeah. but that grand final was a pulsating experience anyway in Perth and yeah, that might be close to the best fun two and a half hours well, you guys had are, as a broadcast. You guys are doing such a great job on Channel 7. I love listening on Friday nights. Um, your chemistry is outstanding and you brought so much life to that coverage yeah, together. Very, very sincere. You can't really say anything else given he's your dad. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> that, that was a lie. What are the other two up. boys doing, by the way? When's Jordan going to wander in? There's three, actually. There's four of us. Yeah. Anyway, oh, true. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks, Jordan. Pleasure. Yeah. My pleasure. Great chatting to both of you. Very awesome. Good. Thank you.